What's up, everybody? Good afternoon. Casey Hendrickson here in the SilverFoxArt.com studios. Don't forget to follow them on Instagram, silver.fox.art on Instagram. All right. Uh, we're going to we're gonna get into some heavy stuff today. Uh, just going to be upfront with you. And because we're going to get into some heavy stuff, I figured we would start with something a little light. Okay, this is Corey Mills. Corey Mills is running for office and he is running in the 7th District in Florida. And he had a campaign ad that he got that released because um, basically he got out of the military. He started creating less lethal devices and stuff like that that are used by law enforcement, uh, riot control, that sort of thing, uh, which is a, a fairly common career path for people who are from the military. So I just wanted to go ahead and play his campaign ad because there's been some people really upset that some of the devices that he used – Sorry, this thing keeps wigging out on me. Some of the devices that he used are used against, you know, protesters and rioters and things like that. So this was his campaign ad. Just wanted to share it with you. I'm Corey Mills, a U.S. Army combat veteran who served in Iraq and Afghanistan. I came home and started a company making riot control munitions for law enforcement. You may know some of our work. And now the liberal media is crying about it. Corey Mills, soldier, conservative, outsider. I'm Corey Mills, and I approve this message. Because if the media wants to shed some real tears, I can help them out with that. All right, great ad. Absolutely fantastic campaign ad. Um, and again, he, he, I love how he highlighted, hey, this is a BLM protest. This was an Antifa protest. This was a, a left, left-wing activist protest. You know, because they obviously got out of control, turned into riots, and that's why law enforcement had to use them. So... Good palate cleanser to get started today because we are going to be talking heavy stuff. Here's what I mean by that. This. This is a, this is an ugly story. Um, I'll be perfectly honest with you. And it's one that is commonplace in Hollywood. And we are going to dive into some of the, some of the more well-known Hollywood accusations here in just a minute. But this is a big one. Um, she is... Her career trajectory is is like this. I mean, it's going up, and she um, she's obviously an attractive woman. She's a martial artist. She she does some videos and stuff like that about that. She's in Doctor Strange. She's in that franchise, you know, which is a big franchise for the Marvel industry. And then you have this, you know, it. This is um, the allegations against her and her husband are really really bad, and I just you know I'm going to prepare you for that. Okay. So Disney's Disney Marvel's Doctor Strange actress and husband have been convicted of multiple child sex charges. British film actress Zara uh, Fithian, I guess is how you say it. I don't know. Who appeared in Doctor Strange. I don't remember her character. I only saw the movie one time. I don't remember her character. But um, she's been found guilty of grooming and sexually abusing a girl in tandem with her husband, Victor. The latter who was found to have sexually abused another girl on his own. So she married a sexual abuser, and then she participated in the sexual abuse. The Times reported that she is 37 years old. She, she was found guilty of 14 sexual offenses at Nottingham Crown Court, where her, while her husband, who is 59, was found guilty of 18. The court heard the couple met when he was her martial arts instructor, and she went on to have a successful career in martial arts as a stunt woman and an actress. Okay, Victor Mark gave his evidence... When Victor Mark gave his evidence that he admitted sexual activity with one of the uh, the girls 
but claimed that she was 18 at the time. The prosecution said that he had engaged in numerous threesomes with the girl and his wife. This started when the girl was at the age of 13. Okay. The abuse was instigated after Fithian plied the girl with rum and asked if she wanted to play dare with her husband. Jurors were told the actress performed a sex act on her husband, which she invited the child to mimic. According to the BBC reports, after the initial incident, the couple abused the child up to twice a month for three years while urging her not to tell anyone. The victim, who is now an adult, told the court that she was abused around 20 times between 2005 and 2008. Some of the encounters were filmed. However, the husband claimed that the sexual activity happened on only one occasion and said that the wife was not involved. When Fithian gave her evidence, she denied any kind of sexual activity with the girl. Speaking after the guilty verdict, Nicole Hepburn from the Crown Prosecution Service said the couple had been exposed as the true liars. Okay. Um, yeah. So... It's ugly. I mean, it's an ugly case, but this is Hollywood, right? So what Hollywood does. Uh, there are other articles that have far more graphic dis- descriptions, I should say, of uh, what happened, and they're not pleasant. That's that's basically like how it started. Um, but obviously, the the victim who is testifying was able to give much more detail uh, about what had occurred over those multiple years of of abuse. From, again, famous Hollywood, you know, actress, career trajectories going through the roof. Um, Yeah, ugly, ugly case. But the reason I wanted to point this out is, and I've I've said this on the show recently, you know, Hollywood basically controls culture. Hollywood and the music industry control culture in this country, largely in the world, but in this country. It's one of the reasons that the Disney fiasco is so important, because you've got you know, this all hands on deck meeting at Disney and you've got individuals there at Disney saying, hey, um, I don't have a secret queer agenda. That's my agenda. That's what I'm going to do. And again, I'm not saying that all gay people are pedophiles. That's certainly not true. However, there is a large number of pedophiles in the gay community, a large number of them. And when you look at the data of Adult gay men, the number of them who are sexually abused as children by an adult male is staggering. It is an extremely large number. It is larger than any other category of abuse victim of a child. And that includes adult men abusing young girls. It is, it is staggering when you see this. And there's you if you don't want to acknowledge there at least possibly being a connection with that, you're just not being intellectually honest. You just aren't. So there is a real concern that what we did in the 90s and the early 2000s to sexualize young girls in our society, which we clearly did, which made them more promiscuous, and less prone to attaching to a a partner for longevity. When we did that in the 90s, in the early 2000s, as a society, our culture promoted that. It was something that we used to do a regular segment on on my radio show in Las Vegas. 
about these hypersexualized messages on girls' clothing designed for girls who are 9, 10, 11 years old. You know, getting them to the point where they were belittling boys, belittling men, advocating violence against them, um, and then talking about their sexual prowess over them and that sort of thing. These, these were actual things that were being marketed. And, of course, fathers didn't like this. Fathers didn't want any part of this, and fathers were organized against it, but the fathers didn't have custody, and mothers who were desperately trying to fit in with their daughters, mothers would defend this publicly, and then feminist groups got involved and would defend it publicly, and it became these, these men who want to deny women their, sexual, their sexuality and these men who just want to you know, keep their daughters you know, chaste and that sort of thing, and they were kind of cast out. And so for a couple of decades, we did that in our society. And now we're at this point now where those girls have grown up and those girls are in their 20s and 30s. And the stuff that they're promoting is even worse. When you when you have an actual picture of fellatio in an elementary school in the United States, and there is a large chunk of the population who thinks that that is okay. We've got a real problem in our society. So when the Disney thing comes up, and you got a bunch of people going, oh no, you just don't like gay people. It's not about that. It's never been about that. It's never been denying gay people their existence. It's never been about uh, pretending that gay people don't exist or that trans people don't exist. It has never been about that for people who are concerned with this. It has always been about grooming them from a young age to be susceptible to abuse and to deny their own their own being. And that's what you can do to a young child. You know, this jazz who got famous on TV uh, as like the first like trans star and everything else, you realize that the parents of jazz at six years old decided that jazz was a girl. The parents did at six years old. You know, my five-year-old is going to be six in September. She doesn't have any any concept of any of this. She doesn't. And any parent out there who has a five or a six-year-old understands that their kid doesn't either. You're projecting onto your own kid. And you're denying them the opportunity to grow up and become who they are. And maybe that is a trans individual, or maybe it's the between 80 and 95%, depending on the study that you cite, of kids who are somewhat confused at one point in their life who grow out of it and become your traditional standard heterosexual adult. But you're never going to know because you never give them the opportunity. So Jazz's parents at six years old decided that Jazz was going to be a girl, even though Jazz is born a boy. And then they exploited that by putting that child on television. So now you've got this. And I know that this is different. I get it. I understand that this is not tied to the LGBTQ stuff. But you have to understand it is all connected. It is all connected because you're grooming children to be more susceptible to this type of abuse. And Hollywood has a long and a very rich history of doing this sexualizing children so they become more promiscuous, less inclined to to uh, you know accept the nuclear family, 
You've got activist groups like Black Lives Matter who actively oppose the nuclear family and don't want men involved at all. Feminists out there saying, we don't need men. We'll be able to artificially create sperm and men are totally useless in our society. You have men in general being devalued in our society every single day. All of men's contributions completely being devalued. Everything that they do, devalued. Any successes they have, minimized. That's how men are portrayed in our society. It's how it's been for decades. You'll get your stupid primetime television. What is it? The guy is always an idiot, right? Guy's always a moron. He's always an idiot. The woman is always the super intelligent, the super reasonable one. He's always the one that has to apologize at the end of the day. And we know that that's not how life works. And when you have Hollywood going out there and doing this to kids on a regular basis, the people in Hollywood, a large chunk of them are pedophiles. They are predators. They are groomers. The Disney situation in Florida, this woman works for Disney. There's a sting operation just captured tons of Disney employees caught with a, with a child sex ring. That's not connected? It's just a coinkie dink, right? Okay. This is 2016. Elijah Wood says Hollywood has a pedophile problem. No kidding. He goes on to tell stories. I'm not going to go into it. This one right here. Okay, this is from, I think, uh, no, that's the today's date. This one's from the next year, 2017, October. Is Hollywood's next scandal the alleged pedophilia ring that Corey Feldman has long talked about. Corey Feldman, doing the best he could to expose this, was always consistently shut down by it. Oprah shut him down. Barbara Walters shut him down. He's always been trying to expose this. He believes it's what killed his friends, them being abused. Obviously, it ruined, it ruined him for a long time. But part of what he's doing is, one, he wants these predators caught, but two, he doesn't want other people to get their kids involved in Hollywood to become victims. But he named names. Brian Singer, okay, which is already known at the time for having inappropriate behavior with boys. Kevin Spacey, who outed himself after being accused. Harvey Weinstein nonsense. The list goes on and on and on, okay? Next, let's go through this list here. Let me make sure I got the right right tab. Let's go through this list, okay? The kids in Super 8 and School of Rock were cast by a convicted pedophile. Leonardo DiCaprio's childhood manager was sexually, sexually assaulted a 13-year-old child. Brian Singer, which was mentioned by Corey Feldman, raped a 15-year-old Michael Egan. Allegedly raped a 15-year-old Michael Egan. He's allegedly the, the attacker of Corey Feldman, too. Mark Collins definitely raped Michael Egan. Disney hired convicted child molester Disney, 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 Brian Peck. Corey Haim was allegedly raped on the set of Lucas. Martin Weiss was released as soon as he was convicted. And again, he was a Hollywood manager specialized in finding kids. He, again, Nickelodeon, Disney. You know, pedophiles surround themselves with easy targets. A Nickelodeon producer, or a production assistant, used his job to assault children. Woody Allen, long history there. Roman Polanski, okay? 
Roman Polanski is one of the most, I think, egregious because with Roman Polanski, Hollywood still celebrates this guy. They still celebrate him. This is the New York Post in 2017. Don't forget, Hollywood cheered for Roman Polanski. An online petition calling on the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences to eject Roman Polanski has gathered tens of thousands of signatures, and rightfully, rightly so. The Academy rushed to expel Harvey Weinstein as harassment and alleged allegations, and assault allegations, excuse me, uh, became an avalanche. Polanski pled guilty to raping a 13-year-old in 1977 and has been accused by multiple women of sexual misconduct, including a molestation of a 10-year-old girl during a photo shoot. Yet Hollywood supported him. He's fled the country, avoided prison. He's made movies ever since. He's won multiple Oscar nominations while on the run. And then he won Best Actor in 2003 for The Pianist, and the crowd gave him a standing ovation. I always like to remind people of this. We played it on the show before. Let's, let's play it again. Goes for Roman Polanski. For The Pianist. Mm-hmm. Don't think he's a good guy either. He's not. Yeah. Everybody cheering him. The Academy congratulates Roman Polanski and accepts this award on his behalf. Yeah, because he can't be there. He can't be there because he's a pedophile. He's on the run from the law. Okay, here we go. On March 11th, 1977, three years after making Chinatown, Polanski was arrested at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel for the sexual assault of a 13-year-old Samantha Gailey. Gailey had modeled for Polanski during a Vogue photo shoot the previous day around the swimming pool in the Bel Air home of Jack Nicholson. We saw Jack Nicholson celebrating Roman Polanski in that, that clip. Polanski was indicted on six counts of criminal behavior, including rape. At his arraignment, he pled not guilty to all charges. Many executives in Hollywood came to his defense. Gailey's attorney arranged a plea bargain in which five of the six charges would be dismissed and Polanski accepted. As a result of the plea bargain, Polanski pled guilty to the charge of unlawful sexual intercourse with a minor and was ordered to undergo 90 days of psychiatric evaluation at California Institute of Men in Chino. Upon release from prison... After 42 days, Polanski agreed to the plea bargain, his penalty to be time served, time had already served in jail, of course, along with probation. However, he learned afterward that the judge had told some friends that he was going to disregard the plea bargain and sentence Polanski to 50 years in prison. I'll see this man never gets out of jail, he told Polanski's friends. Okay. Gailey's attorney confirmed that the judge changed his mind after he met the judge in his chambers. He was going to sentence Polanski rather than time served to 50 years. What the judge did was outrageous. We had agreed to a plea bargain and the judge had approved it. Polanski was told by his attorney that the judge could no longer be trusted and that the judge's representation uh, was worthless. Polanski decided not to appear at his sentencing. He told his friend and producer uh, Dino Laurentilis, I guess. I made up my mind. I'm getting out of here. So on 31st of, uh, 31st of January, 1978, the day before sentencing, Polanski left the country on a flight to London 
where he had a home. One day later, he left for France. As a French citizen, he has been protected from extradition and has lived mostly in France since. Since he fled the United States before final sentencing, the charges are still pending. 1988, Gailey sued Polanski, among other things. The suit alleged sexual assault, false imprisonment, seduction of a minor, intentional infliction of emotional distress. In 1993, Polanski agreed to settle with his victim. In August of 1996, Polanski still owed her $604,000. By 1997, okay. Court filings confirmed that the settlement was completed by 1997 via confidential agreement. The victim, now married and going by the name Samantha Geimer, stated in a 2003 interview with Larry King that the police and media had been slow at the time of the assault to believe her account, which she attributed to the social climate of the era. In 2008, she stated, I don't wish for him to be held to further punishment or consequences. Then in 2009, Polanski was arrested while in Switzerland at the request of the United States. The arrest brought renewed attention to the case. Stir controversy, particularly in the United States and Europe, Polanski was defended by many prominent individuals, including Hollywood celebrities and European artists and politicians who called for his release. Now, again, we're talking about a 13-year-old kid. American public opinion has reported to run against him, was reported to run against him, and polls in France and Poland showed that strong majorities favored his extradition to the United States because most people don't like the idea of raping a 13-year-old kid. Hollywood is like, well, that was a long time ago. Polanski was jailed in Zurich for two months, then put under house arrest at his home while awaiting the results of his extradition pleas. On the 12th of July of 2010, Swiss rejected the United States' request, declared Polanski a free man, and released him to custody from custody. An Interpol red notice was issued in 1978 after he fled the United States, limiting his movements to France, Switzerland, and Poland. His name is no longer found in Interpol's wanted list. Okay. In January 2014, newly uncovered emails from 2008 by the Los Angeles County Superior Court Judge Larry Fidler indicated that if Polanski returned to the United States for a hearing, the conduct of the judge who had originally presided over the case might require that Polanski be freed. These emails were related to a 2008 documentary. Okay. Now you lead to this. I know we've talked about this case already. Pennsylvania parents blast the school district for hosting a drag show behind their backs. Now, I'm going to show you this video. This is what some, some of what happened at that drag show. For those of you who are watching the video of this, then you'll, you'll see it. For those of you listening to the audio, I recommend you go to rumble.com and watch this show. But this is a teacher who hosted this drag event. Now, this was, again, part of the Gay-Straight Alliance Club. And it's, it's fine. It's, you're, you're okay to be gay. Live your life however you want to live your life. This is not okay in school. Okay? Period. Take a look at this. This is at a school.
Okay. I know I've said this a million times. I'll say it again. I'm from Vegas. I grew up with drag queens. I I grew up with trans people. I grew up with gay people. This is fine for adults. This is not okay to be in a school. It's not okay to be in a school. Why is the Gay Straight Alliance Club putting on a hypersexualized drag event at a public school? Why is that happening? Why do they not tell parents about it beforehand? That's the whole reason the parents are upset. They weren't told that this was going to happen. Why are they hiding this from parents? You know, when you're growing up, you're immediately told constantly. You're told by, well, used to be, told by your teachers, told by law enforcement, told by your parents. If somebody tells you to keep something a secret from from your parents, that person is probably doing wrong things to you. They're probably preying upon you. If anybody asks you to keep a secret from your parents, do not trust that individual. And yet, now, we have teachers saying, don't tell your parents about this. We've got clubs happening at schools where they're putting on events like this, which are clearly unacceptable. The fact that some parents defended this is hysterical. And here's the thing. You can debunk that person's mentality on this really easily. Okay? There's several of these people in drag who are... For those of you who can't see it because you're listening to the audio, they've got thongs on, okay, thongs. Would any parental organization, any feminist organization, anybody out there at all be okay with women coming to a high school wearing thongs and performing strip teases in front of them? Would any of them be okay? Would anybody at all be okay with that other than the teenage boys, anyone. And the answer to that is real easy. You all know damn well what would have happened. There would have been mass hysteria about the the sexual exploitation of young women and inappropriate behavior and things like that at a school. Nobody would accept this. No one would. And yet somehow we're supposed to say it's okay for, for a guy dressed up as a girl to do it. You know, drag is an inherently sexual art form. It is not something that is meant to be neutral. Drag is a sexual art form. It was created as a sexual art form and has existed in its entirety as a sexual art form. So when you do drag shows, you are inherently embracing a sexual art form. And there is an audience for that that is fine. However, it's not to be in libraries with little kids and it's not to be in public school. And the way that they are dressed would not be accepted if they were actual women. And for good reason. These, these, these parents, are, they're pissed off, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them. They weren't told. Why was this hidden from them? Common sense says you do not hide this stuff from somebody. If you're going to have a drag show, you tell the parents, hey, we're going to have a bunch of you know male strippers dressed up as girls, and they're going to have you know things parting their butt cheeks and whatnot, and... They're going to be doing splits and everything else right in front of your kid's face, and we're going to put that on stage, and if you want your kid to come see it, that'd be great. But they know that that's bad. They know that that isn't a good idea. So they hide it from everybody. Just like they hide it here locally when we talk about the local drag shows. They hide it. They don't tell anybody about it. They keep it secret. Parents told multiple news outlets that they were not informed of the performances. One mother alleged that the teacher 
who hosted the show, posted the social media handles of the drag queens and allegedly encouraged students to tip the queens. You'll give them money. Now, remember, we had a situation where an adult gay porn star has an OnlyFans. Porn stars, not yet. They have an OnlyFans. They do adult gay porn. They went, they went to a club with a bunch of kids. And the person who invited them knew that. The organization didn't know that. But the person who invited him in knew that because her son's in business with this guy. And her daughter's interviewed him. And they're, they're going out there. Again, only, they got an OnlyFans. Oh, but they're really popular on TikTok. Yeah, what does the TikTok do? The TikTok links back to their OnlyFans where they make gay pornography. So anybody who follows them on TikTok is exposed to the gay pornography OnlyFans aspect of it. And these are young kids. Some of them were as young as, I think, six or seven years old. Not okay. And I know that the average person out there understands that it's not okay. But what they try to do is they try to spin it as, oh, there's some homophobic stuff or whatever. That's not it. I know that you know that that's not it. I know that's not it. The average sane individual knows that that's not it. But this is not acceptable behavior, period. And the, you start to have to ask yourself, okay, why is this happening then? If everybody knows that it's not acceptable behavior except for a, a core group of radicals, well, who's that core group of radicals? Who are they? Who are the core group of radicals out there? I think that's a really good question. Here's your answer. Disney stars who abuse children on their own. That's your answer. If you're doing something that you know you're not supposed to be doing and you hide it from parents, and that happens to be exposing children in a sexual nature to things that they are not supposed to be exposed to, and you you are very invested in hiding that from parents, the only logical conclusion is you're grooming them. There is no other scenario that makes sense. Not tolerance, not enlightenment, nothing like that. Because there's an entire society right now of tolerant people who did not have this exposure as children. And a lot of those tolerant people are really pissed off that you're putting this stuff in the classroom with young kids and then not telling them about it. Because those tolerant people know that this is a giant red flag. You know, last, uh, I think the last live stream that we did, it might have been before the, the pre record for Wednesday's show. And I went over a lot of this stuff. You know, we were able to basically dial a lot of this down. And I, I, if you missed that show, you need to go back and watch it. This is not okay. It's not acceptable. There was an article that was written here a couple of weeks ago. That says, it's okay to call it grooming. Because it is. And they don't really like you calling it grooming because they want to pretend that they're not grooming. But all of the evidence points to one thing and one thing alone. And that is grooming. And as I've told you before, every trans person I know, every gay person I know, they're all opposed to this. They don't like this at all. So if, if your average run-of-the-mill LGBTQ plus is opposed to this behavior, and the people doing this behavior are insistent upon doing it behind people's back and hiding it from parents, is it possible that their motives are pure? Absolutely not. No way. Their motives are nefarious and they are preying upon your kids. They are grooming them. 
There's no other way to say it. No other conclusion. They are grooming them. I'm going to pay some bills, silverfoxart.com. Make sure you do business with them. We'll be back in just a minute. All right, welcome back. So the the stream that we did where we kind of dialed in on this was really about education and it focused on, you know, teachers abusing kids and that sort of thing. And um, so that show, let's go back here. Teachers praying upon kids is getting worse. So that was the one that was done on the 9th. That's the show. If you missed it, you need to go back and watch that because we broke down a lot of the data on, on what the grooming is about, you know, how this has been happening at increasing rates in public schools, how it is acknowledged as a major, major problem just a few years ago. And the red flags of what was a telltale sign of a teacher or faculty member abusing children are now actually a core part of the curriculum that is approved by school boards. So suddenly things that just three, three to five years ago were considered really problematic red flags are now in the curriculum and are seen as okay. And you're the crazy people for going out there and saying, hey, we don't want, we don't want that stuff in the classroom. Chuck Schumer said that he's totally okay with protests outside of conservative justices' homes. Okay, let's go ahead and cue this up. Let's do this. Go ahead, Manu. You won't be able to hear this question very good, but I'll, I'll address it. If protests are peaceful, yes. My house is, there's protests three, four times a week outside my house. Okay, one, not the same thing. Now, the question was, are you comfortable with protests that we saw outside the homes of Supreme Court justices over the weekend? Chuck Schumer's like, yeah, protesting is peaceful. As long as it's peaceful, that's fine. People protest outside of my house all the time. Not the same thing. You're in office at the whim of your constituency. And your constituency has a right to let you know what their opinions are of your activity, okay? That is a different ballgame than dealing with a federal judicial situation. So he's okay with it. All right, let's, let's go on to Jen Psaki, who's left the, the White House for MSNBC. So I know that there's an outrage right now, I guess, about I uh, guess. protests that have been peaceful mm-hmm. to date, mm-hmm. and we certainly continue to encourage that outside mm-hmm. of judges' homes, and that's the president's position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, First of all, they might have been peaceful somewhat at the residences of the Supreme Court, but they haven't been peaceful. Police officers have been assaulted and everything else. We we did a whole thing about it uh, last week. Okay, here's why this is a problem. So you got Chuck Schumer, you got Jen Psaki, you got a bunch of people saying, oh, yeah, this is totally cool. Okay, this is 18 U.S., U.S. Code, 1507, picketing or parading. Whoever, with the intent of interfering with, obstructing, or impeding the administration of justice or with the intent of influencing any judge, juror, witness, or court officer. Did you see member of Congress there? Chuck? You didn't. Nope. Judge, juror, witness, or court officer in the discharge of his duty, pickets or parades in or near a building housing a court of the United States or in or near a building or residence occupied or used by such judge, juror, witness, or court officer, or with such intent, uses any sound, truck, or similar device, or resorts to any other demonstration in or near any such building or residence, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than one year or both. Nothing in this section shall interfere with or prevent the exercise 
by any court of the United States of its power to punish or uh, punish for contempt. That has nothing to do with your elected representatives. This has to do with the judicial system. Federal Code 1507 says what's happening outside of the Supreme Court homes of these justices is illegal. They've had to flee their homes for crying out loud. Where's the Department of Justice on this? I know I've talked about this on the radio show before. Department of Justice. Nope. Parents who are upset about drag queens showing up at their kid's school like we showed you video footage of earlier. Yeah, those people are domestic terrorists. But people actually showing up at the homes violating federal law to force the Supreme Court to change their mind on a vote, which is what the stated goal of these protests is, which is a crime. That's A-OK, according to the Department of Justice. Merrick Garland, this piece of crap, who is supposed to be a Supreme Court justice, right? If he was a justice, you think he'd appreciate being protested outside of his home? Bet you wouldn't. America First Legal Senior Advisor Ian Pryor also reacted to the department's silence telling Fox News Digital. It says all you need to know about how politicized this Department of Justice is, despite no records from the FBI about a spike in harassment or threats to school boards, Merrick Garland weaponized the DOJ against parents a mere four days after the Biden administration received a letter from the NSBA. Now, friendly reminder, the Biden administration was the origin of the letter from the NSBA. The NSBA only wrote the letter at the behest of the Department of Justice. We ended up learning that, remember? Meanwhile, here you have protesters arguably violating federal law by protesting at Supreme Court justices' homes to influence a legal decision, and we haven't heard a peep from Garland. This administration has shown nothing but contempt for anyone that doesn't fall in line with its radical policies and appears to be completely fine with extremist mob-like tactics to back those policies. Pryor is right. Here's Jen Psaki again. POTUS strongly believes in the constitutional right to protest, but that should never include violence, threats, or vandalism. Judges perform an incredibly important function in our society, and they must be able to do their jobs without concern for their personal safety. That's not the issue, Saki. The issue is people are attempting to intimidate them by protesting at their homes. You can go across the street of the Supreme Court and protest. You can't interfere with a ruling, and that's what they're attempting to do. Carrie Severino pointed out, um, now she is uh, with the Judicial Crisis Network president, uh, not with, but she is the president, excuse me. Joe Biden's White House still has no problem with protesters descending upon justices' private homes. According to reports, Justice Alito and his wife have had to move out of their home and to an undisclosed location. It's possible that other justices have too. She also told Fox News Digital in a statement, Merrick Garland appears much more interested in treating parents like terrorists than prosecuting protesters seeking to influence the justices at their residence, which the White House has made it, uh, made it clear it supports. It's true. The White House, you just, you had Schumer go, yeah, I'm okay with them protesting at their house. You had Jen Psaki, yeah, we're okay with them protesting at their house. It's a crime. What happens to us, you're an elected representative. You're a public official, not a federal officer of a court. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Dick Durbin, Democrat of Illinois, said last week during committee hearing that there is no room for mob action, intimidation, or any personal threats against a public official, period. 
whether it involves their homes or otherwise, it is out of line. He continued, this is a Democrat now. He continued to, uh, continued when asked if it's appropriate for protesters to show up at their homes. No, I don't care for people who do it to my house and they have. It is demeaning and adolescent and not convincing at all when you're trying to plead your case by doing something that outrageous. This may be one of two times in my entire life I've agreed with Dick Durbin. But this is, again, this is the thing. And it's it's interesting that they show that it's peaceful because we've watched them surround police officers. We've watched them do all sorts of things, but, you know, technically that wasn't at their homes. But this is the same left-wing group of people who think it's totally okay to be violent with a mob. They're okay with it. I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it, is not, uh, it is not, generally speaking, unruly. That ain't a riot, what we're seeing right now in Minneapolis. They are strictly principled anti-fascists, and they've taken a principled stand to stand against white supremacists and white nationalists wherever they may show up. I argue to you tonight, all punches are not equal morally. It says it right in the name, Antifa, anti-fascism, which is what they were there um, fighting. Listen, there's... You know, no organization is perfect. There was some violence. Any reasonable person would say we shouldn't be destroying other people's property, but these are not reasonable times. Thank goodness for the looters, man. And please, show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. I don't care much about statues. Should that be done by a commission or the city council, not a mob in the middle of the night throwing it into the harbor? People will do what they do. You're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Do not get it twisted and think that, oh, this is some something that has not never happened before. And then this is so terrible. And where are we and these savages and all of that? This is how this country was started. False. People get mad and people get sick of it. People are risking covid to explain to this country that we're fed up. Most of the major movements in American history have started at the grassroots level and at some point have turned into direct conflict with American government. So remember your history before you judge your present. Thuggishness is thuggishness wherever it comes from politically and and we should be the first to call it out. I disagree. (laughs) I disagree. That's right. Thuggishness is thuggishness. You know, hey, you Peaceful protest? Where's that written down? I mean, other than the Constitution. That's one of many montages that I played for you over the years of leftists in the media and politicians advocating for and excusing and celebrating violence. They're protesting illegally outside the homes of Supreme Court justices. And you've got Joy Reid out there. You know, we're talking about BLM riots and things like that. People get mad. And that's how these things have to happen sometimes. Except for January 6th, right? Except for January 6th, right? can happen everywhere else except for January 6th. You realize that they're charging people in the January 6th protests and, and riots. They're charging them the same charges that would be applicable to the people who are outside the Supreme Court justices' houses right now. And some of them are only getting trespassing charges. And here's the thing. They have, they've threatened them with life sentences and they've actually raised a treason analogy. There's certainly no treason that's happened. There's nothing there that is 
worthy of a life sentence. Nothing happened that was worthy of a life sentence at all. In this country, you can rape 40 kids and you won't get a life sentence. But walking into the Capitol building or breaking some windows or getting in fisticuffs with police officers, that's a life sentence? Everybody knows that that isn't logical. By the way, there may be a crime here in making those those sorts of, of threats as a prosecutor. That might actually be a crime. Their lawyers are, are going to argue that. It's, it's so interesting to watch this play out in real time in such short, short distances from each other and watching people weave in and out of their opinions about it. Because when their tribe does it, it's okay. When the other tribe does it, it's bad. When our tribe does it, nobody should face any punishment. When their tribe does it, they should face life in prison. I've already given you several stories where you have mass public shooters literally walk into schools, shoot four people. They're out of jail two days later. If you're only facing a trespassing charge because you committed no acts of violence, you didn't steal anything, all you did was walk into the Capitol on January 6th, you're just one of the hundreds of people who just walked in after all the other stuff was done with, you've been behind bars this entire time and you're not allowed to be released until sentencing is passed. But you can go into a school and shoot up a bunch of people and be out two days later. Life sentence? You realize the judge overseeing this hates Donald Trump, right? Numerous postings about how bad Trump and his supporters are. No wonder this is happening. I know that there's a lot of people out there who don't want to admit it. You are watching one of the darkest times in our country's history right now. And I know that there's a lot of people who don't want to admit that we are this close. That close. I was talking about this with some buddies the other day. And, you know, something's going to flare up. And I realize that there's already been violence, that the left has been doing this violence for some time now. But something's going to flare up big. And it's going to involve not just civilians at some point in time. And it's going to be really ugly. And there will be decisions that have to be made from everybody. Right now, there is an active effort to remove police officers who support the Constitution from the police force. There is an active effort to remove military personnel who believe in the Constitution from the military and only retain those who will be order takers. They won't ask any questions. That litmus test that we've talked about for so long. And what's going to happen when they get pushed so much? You basically, you've, you've created a, a sort of a, a jackboot, we will do what the regime wants us to do, force here, and then a highly trained and experienced, nope, we're freedom-loving Americans and constitutionalists here. And what's going to happen when those buttheads. And it may very well come from something that happens to a unit in the military who's being abused by the system. I don't want to see it happen, but I'm telling you right now, the way that things are being handled with this vaccine and with others, there's a, a very possible flashpoint 
within the next 10 years. And that flashpoint, one of two things will happen. Either it will be an isolated incident, and maybe down the line it will be used as a, like an Alamo, like remember the, the Alamo situation, or that's going to happen and everybody's going to wake up one day and go, okay, is it time to boog or not? And I don't, I honestly don't know where, I honestly don't know where that's going to go. I'll be perfectly honest with you. This isn't just about elections. This isn't just about political ideology. This isn't just about inflation. I got a story today on the radio show, the baby formula shortage. Why is there a baby formula factory that Biden won't allow to reopen? It's not just about that stuff. It's about them going after your kids. It's about them teaching your kids that they are inferior because of their race and need help. Or they are oppressive because of their race and they need to be throttled. It's that type of stuff. You know, the elections are a very minor, minor symptom of that overall problem. And there will be a flashpoint at some point. The question is, where will it come? How big will it be? And will it be an isolated incident? I got to run. I'm going to have some lunch before the radio show starts at 3 o'clock. Hopefully you will subscribe. Excuse me. Hopefully you will share this with other people. I would appreciate that you do that. I'm going to try and make a podcast version of this show as well. If you're listening to the audio version of this, please go watch the video on rumble.com slash Casey, the host, and hit that subscribe button. You'll be able to watch the video of it and see some of the things you couldn't see uh, when you're listening to the audio version of this show. Other than that, we'll see you this afternoon. Take care.